Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Man on the Post Sunday Weekend Review Show. Uh, my name's Chris and we're back from our FA Cup hiatus, um, as it was a bit of a, a dull FA Cup weekend. And joining me this episode, I've got Dave. Hello, hello, hello. And Ali. Good evening. And I was just saying to the guys before we started recording that we skipped the FA Cup show last weekend because it was a bit of a dull weekend. Unfortunately, we can't do that for the Premier League as there probably wouldn't have been a show today either. Um, <laughs> how are we, gents? Are we all good? I've got a bit of a toothache, Chris. It's annoying. Really? That's not good, mm. sir. It's a, well, it's, it's a wisdom tooth that's, like, trying to break through. And it's, I, well, I hope it's just, like, trying to break through rather than being infected. But... Okay. That's really mm. strange, that is, because I've got a Geordie friend at work who also is having wisdom tooth problems at the moment. Uh, imagine if it's me leading a double life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd, I'd hope not, because she's a young girl. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that really would be some <laughs> double life there. <laughs> right, sorry, right, that just uh, caught me having a drink on my uh, squash. Uh, right, so um, not the greatest weekend of Premier League football, and unfortunately, I've got to rip the plaster off straight away as the early game on Saturday uh, was West Ham versus Arsenal. Um, to be fair, not the worst Arsenal performance, uh, as long as you don't read Arsenal Twitter, that is. <laughs> um, Declan Rice um, scoring his first goal for West Ham, and to be fair, he looked pretty good the whole game. Never seen anyone so happy to score. Like, Obviously, <laughs> a lot of important goals have been scored down the years, but he, he's, he took off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. He, he, he looked overjoyed, because he looked kind of gutted, because he missed a chance in the first half, didn't he? And he looked really disappointed that he'd missed that chance. Hmm. Yeah. Can I ask you, as an Arsenal fan, um, Aubameyang and Lacazette as a, as a pair, mm-hmm. it's never really worked. Like, it seems to me that one will play to the middle, and the other one gets kind of marginalised as a result. Like, they don't seem to have found a, a system that gets the best out of both of them yet. Mm-hmm. I think I think the issue is is uh, Emery wants another player to make up that three, mm. and at the moment he, he's tried Ertzel doesn't seem to work and at the moment he's trying Iwobi and to be fair I thought Iwobi had a really good game yeah, uh, I'd agree with that. yeah. He, he was probably he was I'd, he was arguably probably our best player um, um, but I don't think it gives us what we, what Emery wants you know he's been quite vocal that he wants another fo- he wants another winger for either the right or the left um, and I think ideally what he'd like to do is I think uh, is kind of what Wenger kind of did when, when he had the, the two of them. Is he wants Ibamayang on the left cutting in, and mm. then somebody playing out uh, out wide right? But we don't have that wide right player, which is weird because in go back a year or so ago we had too many right footed wide players. 
and stuff. And that's part of the reason that Aaron Ramsey played so much because he was sh- shunted onto that side when potentially um, it wasn't his best. Uh, Aubameyang is predominantly right-footed, I believe, um, but he when he can't cut in and switch, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he can't cut in on his left and stuff like that, where he, he seems to play better. Um, coming in from the left, uh, kind of like Theo Walcott did at Southampton, and then Wenger played him on the opposite side. Um, but yeah, uh, Lacazette doesn't... Uh, very few times does he finish 90 minutes, um, but his game, he's... Um, he does all right. You know, he works hard and whatever, but he needs players off him as well. Uh-huh. And, I, and I think while we've still got... While we've still got that missing piece of the jigsaw in the, in the front three, um, he, he's going to suffer. But Aubameyang didn't have a great game yesterday. Either, that's no, that's, that's what I mean. I think for weeks now, obviously, Aubameyang's carried, carried your goal-scoring threat, really, mm-hmm. uh, with with some contributions from other people. But yesterday, I just thought Lacazette was, was the man who was going to score, certainly for the first hour or so. Um, he actually seemed to get less of a threat as the game went on mm-hmm. as a team, really. But uh, and also the offside an awful lot. It was like watching yeah. a team of short army obies. It was. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't we didn't do much in the last fifteen, what twenty to fifteen minutes. I imagine, I reckon. Um, but um, yeah, he will be our most probing player. I think one thing I found interesting. I, I don't know if it's ever going to be given a go. Is I'd probably like to see Kalasnak push up a little bit. Not that he could push up any more than when he's playing at left back, um, <laughs> but he has been our most creative force in the last few weeks. Really, like he, he's um, he's got more assists in the games he's played this season than Ertzel has, um, and he, he's always in the box. And he seems to he seems to be quite nifty uh, with his feet. Um, but yeah, I, I there's talk that we're bringing in Dennis Suarez. Uh, I haven't seen that much of him. Uh, depending on which newspaper you read, he's either a winger or in a midfielder. Um, so, but yeah, I, I'd like to see a sign of a third attacking player, and yeah, and potentially, hopefully, like a right-sided player. But it, it doesn't sound like we're going to do much uh, during this transfer window. But I say back to the game, though. Really, I didn't think we were, we were that bad. We just didn't have that killer instinct up front, which is something most um, Premier League teams could be guilty of this weekend, I suppose. Mm. Um, but taking nothing away from West Ham, I say Declan Ross was really, really good. Uh, he's he won the ball. His turnover play was fantastic. Um, but West Ham were really organised, like really organised. And it, it, you know, we talked about it a few times about how how well they they've come into their own and stuff. Um, I've got to say, Samir Nasri looks like a, a bargain. Obviously, they got him on a free, um, but he played last weekend in the cup. Um, apparently had a good game against uh, was it Birmingham? I think they played Birmingham, didn't they? Uh, yes, it was. Yeah, and um, and he was, his link up play yesterday was, was was really good as well. You know, un- unfortunately. No, I think that's one thing he did offer them is that he, he sort of linked their their midfield and attack, which uh, obviously is probably his main job, but mm-hmm. uh, something I haven't really had. Got a lot of sort of cut and thrust with. Anderson and Antonio, but not not a lot of Gale, which he certainly seems to bring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I say um, the Arsenal got to mention that the Arsenal fans though, uh, there are people actually calling for Emery's head, <laughs> which I think is ridiculous. We've just had a manager for like twenty two seasons, and our new manager doesn't seem to be given like half a season. Um. I don't know what they expected. Like, um, I think I think I've said on on here before as well. Uh, it's going to take a few transfer windows for Emery to put his stamp on the team. And I imagine, like, I imagine there'll be wholesale changes at the club in the summer. 
as well because I don't think much is going to change during this transfer window. Uh, there's talk that Benega is going to come in, but then Emery's talking about loans and stuff like that. Um, there's, you know, we've been linked to um, a couple of centre backs and stuff like that. Um, but as I said, I don't see anything anything big happening until the summer. But yeah, Arsenal's Twitter at the moment is, is ridiculous, and you know, Fat Robin, his mates outside the stadium, must be loving it. You know, we, we, we you know, we've lost a couple of games, but we were never going to win the title this season. So I, I, you know, I don't know what 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 uh, what people are uh, expecting. Um, but yeah, the main talking point I've got from this game is is Arnautovic leaving West Ham. I think so. It looked think... it, didn't it? Well, Antonio, I think, said, I don't know who he was talking to, but he said in an interview, um, we all know he wants to leave. It's, you know, it's just a shame, because he's a great player for us. Mm. But I, I, the whole thing's weird, and it's like, why would anyone in the peak of their career want to go to China, other than, obviously, big sacks of money? Mm-hmm. Um, but he seems the type who would do it, doesn't he? Like. Yeah, he's he's very much a mercenary footballer, isn't he? Uh, yes. You know, uh, he, he he left Stoke under a cloud uh, for West Ham, and I think it was always clear the minute an offer came in, uh, West Ham were going to lose him. There's been talk that Chelsea have been looking at him. Uh, Man United were linked with him earlier on in the season, um, but as soon as I heard about the um, about the Chinese offer, I thought that's it. He's going to go. It's it's strictly strictly for the money. Uh, apparently, his brother's his agent, and he's he's not the not the uh, the nicest of people, but he's got his ear. Um, yeah, he, he did look when he came off yesterday. It was off, and there was there were pictures circulating on Twitter yesterday. I don't know how genuine they are. Of him sat at Heathrow Airport. <laughs> so. You know, no, I think, I yeah, know. yeah, that might that might be the, the last the last I see of him. Uh, but there's talk of them going in for Callum Wilson. If they do sell him, that that'd be that's a fantastic swap. To be fair, yeah, I mean, we we try and sell Wilson every week on this podcast. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it sounds like Chelsea want them as well, but mm-hmm. they also want Higuain. So God knows how it's going to pan say, out. Chelsea aren't going to sign him. He's too young, isn't he? But um, he's also homegrown, which uh, mm. they're going to need because I think Fabregas count as one of their homegrown players. Yep, yeah, because he was at Arsenal from when he was like really young after we yeah. stole him from Barcelona. And uh, if Hudson, if Hudson Adoy is not going to be sticking around, then uh, they've got some homegrown gaps to fill. Mm. Yeah, I say, I say West Ham, West Ham look, look really good, and I think they, I think they, 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 you know, they're definitely in their stride there. Uh, interestingly, Philip um, Anderson wasn't their best player. He he looked a bit off it yesterday, uh, <coughs> to be fair as well. But um, no real concerns to me as an Arsenal fan. Um, I think we knew this season wasn't going to be great. You know, last season we finished sixth and were terrible. Um, so any improvement on that uh, is something, you know. I think Emery should be given the benefit of the doubt, really. Um, and yeah, but, but the, we'll see. This season was more or less a freebie for Emery, just to feel his way in, get rid of certain players, mm-hmm. and then identify what he really needs long-term and start bringing them in, as you say, from the summer, kind of right in off January as well. Yeah. I, I think the news that Ramsey's going... Which we all knew was happening. I think that hasn't helped because he's he's actually come on and looked all right this season. Um, so I think we've lost a couple of games. Rams, uh, you know, Rams is leaving, um, and I think that has um, brought all memories of like where, like past few seasons where we've been quite bad and we've lost our best players and stuff like that. But 
you know, I've heard people standing outside the stadium with their microphones screaming about us letting our best players go and we should do something about it. I think they forget we've made multiple offers to Aaron Ramsey to stay. You know, it's not like we're just like, oh, no, you can go. It's because he wants a lot of money. Um, and he's not, and I don't care what anyone says, he's not worth the money he's asking for. And I've said a few weeks ago, I imagine if there was an agreement where his demands came down, the club would be happy to keep him on. Um, but we signed him 10 years ago for 5 million quid. We've had, you know, he's won, he scored two FA Cup winning goals for us. He's been quite an influential player and whatever. We've had our money's worth out of him. So if he doesn't want to stay, you know, let him go. You know, he's, he's going to Juventus. He's going to be playing with uh, Cristiano Ronaldo and going to his parties every weekend. <laughs> you know, f- fair play to him. I, you know, I really, I really don't get it that the fans are, are, are getting on Emery's back about it. When, th- again, this is something he's inherited. He hasn't, he, hasn't, he hasn't come in and decided that Ramsey should be in the last year of his contract and not sign a new one. He's come in and we've let a player... Yes, as a club, we've let him get down to the last year of his contract again and go. Um, but we have made him offers to stay and he, he doesn't want to stay because um, he's not willing to think it. Another thing... Um, and he's not willing to, you know, not win anything, which we're not going to do this season. Um, but another thing I've seen as well from, from these idiot Arsenal websites and whatever is that oh the club doesn't shouldn't shouldn't be having another transition season which this is going to be because they've had two tran- two transition seasons coming up to this well no we haven't we've had two bad seasons this is a transition season because we've, we've got a new manager we've got a new um, structure at the club and we're, we're, we're rebuilding to get rid of all the dead wood because the board wouldn't act seasons before so I'm not sure what they want I mean, you're never going to please. Like, your fans are some of the worst when you look online. Yeah, you know, been, the, yeah. The last few years, it's got. Yeah, it's been terrible. And, and I mean, they've been complaining about uh, Wenger for years. Well, like Ramsey's a major part of Wenger's regime as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, so he, should, he was Wenger's boy. In a way, you should be excited to get rid of. Yeah, yeah. You well, know, Ramsey, because then Emery can start afresh with. His player. It's different if like Emery had come in and Ramsey had like all of a sudden turned into like this world class centre midfielder because he was under a new manager and mm-hmm. started playing different. But he's not really. He's still doing the same. Yeah. He'll have his really good games where he's really influential, and then he goes missing. Yeah. For about five six games in a row, that he ends up getting dropped, um, and then comes back in, has a good game, and then repeats. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, yeah, I'm like I'm with you. It's uh, it's the same when I look obviously at, like my club and you see other clubs complaining about certain players. But if you're getting rid of the manager when when you've got players who who you know the manager has favouritism towards, mm-hmm. surely you want rid of those players as well so you can you can finally start that fresh and begin to build something for the future. Yeah, we've had the, we've had the same thing with Peter Cech as well. That's what I didn't yeah. I, I didn't think we'd go on this long about the Arsenal game. To be fair, I didn't want to, um, but. Um, Peter Cech, there's been calls for years for Peter Cech to be dropped and to sign a replacement. So we signed a replacement. Fair enough, Cech had a great start to the season, apart from the opening two games, I suppose. Um, but he was he was make, having his best games um, early on in the season. Uh, he got in, injured. Leno comes in. Leno's made a, a few mistakes, which is which is fair enough. Um, and now people are saying, oh, why is Emery not playing Peter Cech? I'm like, hang on a minute. <laughs> A few a few weeks ago, a few months ago, you wanted to check out the club. You wanted just to release it, terminate his contract, and and boot him out. <laughs> yeah, you know. But for me, you know, I, I'll let, if Ramsey decided to, if Ramsey turned around and says, "Well, I'll stay. I'll take whatever contract you put in front of me." Fair enough. He's a good squad player, but 
if we're going to let him go and we're going to, we're looking at signing like Ever Benega and stuff like that, I take Benega any day. You know, he he's another player that gives us that little bit of steel um, that we're missing. But yeah, um, a what I think a what I think a. a few, a tinker to that squad and we've got the making of something uh, probably not a Premier League winning squad straight away um, but I think we're we're going in the right direction right let's 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 go away from me ranting about Arsenal um, on to your club then Ali um, Brighton um, the, well Liverpool the visitors to Brighton uh, this time um, a few injuries for Liverpool it seems uh, as Fabinho was uh, forced to play at centre back again uh, as he did in the FA Cup game earlier in the week Um now I don't think he looked too comfortable, but on match of the day they were like, "Oh, he looks—he looks like he's a, a good centre back." He—he he didn't lose a single duel the whole game. Didn't lose an aerial duel or a or a tackle. Hmm. Um, but I was the same as you. I thought at first, you know, he looks a bit unsteady, but it just shows when you're not watching the player specifically and you're just watching the game, mm-hmm. you get that. You know, you—you you, you don't see the same as obviously just scouting the player as such. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but I thought he definitely grew into the game. I thought he was one of our best players mm-hmm. of the day. I think, I mean, if we could have a centre-back like him to play with Van Dijk, you know, we've got two good football and centre-backs who are, you know, good in the tackle and good in the air, which is obviously in the Premier League, that's what you need. Um, but I think, once again, Van Dijk's the, probably the man of the match and the closest and more than justifying this price tag once again, um, which has kind of been the story of... Liverpool season, which is never thought we'd say under Klopp. You know, the, the defence has been the, the talking point, especially with the injuries. Yeah, I say it wasn't the best game from, from, from the highlights. Like you, if you call them highlights. But yeah. um, the thing is, it's, it's hard with Liverpool because I don't think they've, apart from when they played us, I don't think they've been that good at all this season. I've said that on the show a few times. But these are the games when you when if they win the title at the end of the season, these are the games that you can look back on and say, well, that's where we we did what we needed to do. We've come away with three points and played not very good. Uh, in fairness, Brighton didn't look like they were interested in the game at all. Um, no, they literally were there for it to sit back. I don't think they had an attack at really at any point. Um, but you know, you could, Liverpool can only beat what's put in front of them, and if they can do it in second gear, why not? Well, yeah, I mean, we were talking earlier on this afternoon, we've got a Liverpool podcast um, and WhatsApp groups we were talking about there, and we, we we say the same as you, we've been terrible in 80% of the games this season, um, but just done enough, got that goal, and then just really controlled the game type, um, and as you say, it's just, that is the way if we do go on to win the league, those are going to be the, the games that matter, like beating, beating Arsenal 5-1. Um, is irrelevant mm-hmm. if you can't go and beat Brighton, and that's that's tended to be the the thirteen fourteen season really. Um, ultimately, that's what cost us. You know, we could hammer you guys. We could we beat although it's three two. You know, we we really beat Man City that day. Um, we're beating the big clubs, but when it comes to the Hulls, the 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 Brightons now in the Huddersfields, that's where we would get a nil nil draw because we couldn't break through or. We'd be winning one 0 couldn't get the second, and they'd score from a corner. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Liverpool haven't conceded a header all season this season, mm-hmm. um, which was obviously like kryptonite to us for the past, say, five seasons. Mm-hmm. Type it was all you had to do was get the ball in the box, and and you were scoring. So it's just that steel that's there has just made everything so much. Like I, I never feel nervous watching a Liverpool game. Mm-hmm. 
now. You know, there's just some sort of false comfort, even though I know what we're like. It just seems to be. I feel like we're only ever going to concede if we make a mistake. Sort of thing, is like that, that, Alison Pronan. Yeah, is that like the Van Dijk effect then? Because it's like it's kind, of, it's kind of interesting. Like you, you mentioned that um, you know you're not conceded ahead of this season. Klopp has definitely done the right thing this season. He's built from the back, and it. it sorry to heart back, but it it kind of brings me back to something about the Arsenal the game. I I didn't realise that this season we haven't conceded a single goal from a corner because Emery is building from the back as well. Uh, and it's obviously that that's something that Klopp has, has taken a look at this season. Obviously, it, this isn't his first season at the club, um, but by adding that steal to Liverpool, um, it's a, yes, they, their football hasn't been as swashbuckling as as in the past. But yeah, they they're getting the results with almost the same players. Okay, Fabinho has come in um, and Van Dijk and Allison, but. As as me and Dave have said on other shows, I I reckon you could have Mignolet in that in that team, and they'd still be doing as well at the moment. I, I definitely disagree on that part. That's the only part I disagree on what you said. But I think the confidence that a good goalkeeper brings your oh, yeah, team, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, we've seen the difference where even I know Carrius had like the the very huge mistakes last season, but the difference in having him and Mignolet. And the performance of the defence was just second to none. You know, when you've just got that confidence. So we've then went from Carius to Allison, and that's just installed even more. You know, and plus adding in Van Dyke, obviously, when you've got a seventy-five million pound defender, it's got to give just that confidence around the whole team. Um, the, the building from the back. The only difference Klopp and Emery's done, obviously, Klopp. Came in and got we 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 got attackers, mm-hmm. you know, and we just went hell for leather, um, and then he realised that, that this isn't Germany, and you can't get away with that as, mm-hmm. as much. So that's where he's went. I mean, we spent 130 million on a centre half and a goalkeeper in the last year, um, and then obviously you add in Kate and obviously Kate's not played much, but you're then adding a defensive midfielder and Fabinho, who I believe was about 40 million as well. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, he's definitely, you know, really invested into that. And and we still need at least one more centre-half so we don't have to play Lovren ever again. <laughs> um, because our other two, two centre-halves tend to pick up injuries. Gomez has been very unfortunate um, whether he can remain like a, a reasonable fitness throughout his career or he's just going to be one of those guys that when he gets injured he's out for a long time. And Matip's made of chocolate. Um, he's in and out with injuries constantly. Um, and as I say, we'll not mention Lovren again. That's the last time his name's allowed to be mentioned. Um, so we, we, I think if we had signed a centre-half this window and he was to settle in fairly quickly, not, I don't know how hard it is for a defender to settle in, really. If they're a good defender, it should be quite, you know, quite easy, really. Um, but then I'd be... More than confident for the league, the way it's the way it's going. But there's still that doubt um, with with certain individuals that we have there, and it's 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 that nervy moment time. But as you say, the more little crappy wins we get like these, you know, the confidence grows mm-hmm. a further percent every week. Yeah, definitely. It's like, yeah, I, I think I agree with you there. Though, if 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 they sign, if Liverpool sign another centre back, 
it'll be scary how how, how solid that defense can look. You know, uh, Andy Robertson he's he's, he's fantastic. Um, Van Dijk he's he, probably the best defender in the world at the moment that, that I've seen. Um, I'm still not impressed with Trent Alexander Arnold, but you know he fits into that system. And obviously, defensive. He's, he's going to improve. He's, like, he's a bit like Bellerin at Arsenal. He's m- more attacking minded at the moment, but you do tend to find with that sort of player, um, the more they play and the older they get, the more defense, the, the more they grow into the defensive side of the yeah. game. If you know what I mean, because it's like it's when you're a kid in it. No one wants to be a defender when you're a kid. No, uh, you no. all want to be the striker and the winger, and then you go backwards in in your career. And I think uh, you know, and I think that'll be, that'll benefit. So yeah, a, a decent centre back there. Um, oh yeah, I mean scary. The huge talk, I mean, it's not going to happen, but the huge, obviously, fan base one is that Koulibaly from, is it Napoli he's at? Uh, it is, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, signing a player like Koulibaly with Van Dyke to have Robertson and Trent, and I was perplexed by getting rid of Klein, in a way. Um, I get he wants games, and I get he's not played very much, but he came into that Man United game and looked like he hadn't been away mm-hmm. um, for Klein gives you a 7 out of 10 most weeks. He's not great. He's not terrible. You know, just a solid defender. So you would have had two solid enough right-backs. Moreno's nowhere near as bad as people make out. Um, and for the amount of game time a backup's going to get, you know, you've got more than enough, knows the system. You'd have then Gomez, Matip, covering behind Van Dijk and Koulibaly. You know, if you... Not that we're getting Koulibaly, let's not get Ailsa, but, you know, that as an 8 for those four places... Mm-hmm. You know, that's more than enough to match most teams in the world, let alone the Premier League. Oh, yeah. It's very rare, though. You see clubs that have got two quality centre-backs, though. Yeah, well, especially in today's game. I mean, back, you know, the 90s when we probably all fell in love with football properly, there was world-class defenders everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just harder and harder to find. I mean, who'd have ever thought a player who played for Celtic and Southampton, would be, as you say, arguably the best defender in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no one I would swap him with, whether that be biased or not, um, anywhere. And and I've wanted Liverpool to sign him from his days at Celtic. I, I don't think he's improved that greatly since then. I just think he's more recognisable just because he played in the Premier League. Yeah, and that's it. It's like, And also, you've got to look at... Where do you sign a defender from? So, yeah, Koulibaly looks really good. He's a big, strong defender. Um, but would he adapt to the Premier League? You know, he's playing Serie A, which isn't as quick as the Premier League, you argue. Um, you know, so then you've got to think, is he the sort of defender where if someone's running at him, you know, can he go backwards and stuff like that? You look at people like Varane playing in Spain. Okay, he looks, yeah. good, he looks good playing in that Real Madrid team. But again, what's he going to be like? Um, if he was to come to the Premier League, because uh, Arsenal are looking at Jimenez at the moment at Atletico Madrid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, would he would he would he be able to? Will these defenders be able to come into the Premier League and have the likes of you know your Callum Wilsons and that lot uh, you know and your Aubameyangs and that lot running at them? You know, it's it's, it's yeah. a big ass and Van Dijk's done fantastically. Especially uh, the Atletico Madrid one is a. Uh... Is a funny one for me. I wouldn't want to sign any of the defenders or the goalkeeper. Not because they're not good, but they're built into such a defensive system. Nobody knows really what they're like if they're going to be exposed, as you just mentioned, you know, what it's like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and that would be a concern for me. I mean, the the, the goalkeeper, Oblak, goes down, you know, gets talked about as the best goalkeeper in the world, but 
he, he rarely concedes chances because they're so good, such a good defensive unit under Simeone. Uh-huh. Um, and that's why I was always concerned whether Arsenal, like the, the huge talk was always Arsenal getting Simeone. Yeah. But if they were to sign Simeone as manager, they would literally have to replace every single player. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because they don't have the defensive abilities uh-huh. or or mentality to, to play to his system, which is boring as hell, yeah. but very effective. Yeah, I think it's quite telling as well. When you, well, not to go too far off this, we'll, we'll have to move on shortly. Um, but looking at looking at Atletico Madrid, and you know they've got um, they've got you know yeah they've got that defensive unit. I think it's quite telling that yes, all these players have been mentioned with other clubs and stuff, but they never leave because I think other clubs know that buying one piece of it might not be a thing. You know, you, you have to you'd have to be buying the whole fucking lot really. To, to, to replicate the sort of form that they, they bring you know do you take a check like Oblak has been linked with Arsenal multiple times but we've never pulled the trigger despite needing a goalkeeper and there must be something to that yeah I mean it's just as you say Jimenez and Godin they, they won't be on mega money mm-hmm. compared to what like you know like Will Keane um, gets in the Premier League mm-hmm. and I have no doubt they're, they're better defenders but it's that adjusting that open system we always talked about it as Liverpool fans is how open our play always was and whether even a world-class defender could come in and look good. You know, if we signed Maldini, peak Maldini, would he look as good when you're exposed three on two a lot of the time because we attack so much? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what Premier League's like. It's a lot of headless chicken football. Yeah, that's it. Um, whereas you've got Atletico who have got that 10 men behind the ball with, with Griezmann doing Griezmann things. At the other end of the park. Mm-hmm. So anyway, while we're talking about um, all these transfers and all these ninety million pound defenders and stuff, we might as well come on to Dave's team, Newcastle, who can only dream of signing <laughs> anybody. Um, I suppose um, Newcastle visited Stamford Bridge to see uh, to for Chelsea, uh, a two-one win for Chelsea. Um, now this is the game I've got the most notes about, really, which is which is, is strange when I suppose the most the biggest talking point from the game is Rio fucking Ferdinand. Um, Dave, I'll let you talk about this one, mate. Uh, well, the game itself was uh, was a bit of a it was a decent game, but it wasn't wasn't the thrashing which we thought we might get. Um, Chelsea weren't particularly good. They've done nothing there that we haven't been talking about for weeks. Where Jorginho passed it sideways for ninety minutes. David, David Luiz played a couple of great balls over the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, Newcastle do what Newcastle do away from home, which is soak up a lot of pressure and try and nab a goal on the counter attack. And uh, I thought we were a little bit looking to get a point, to be honest. But mm-hmm. it's not like Dubravka made hundreds of saves, really. But go home, never mind. Yeah. Um, but like, sorry, go on. Go on. So I've got a couple of questions for you, though, Dave. So this, I think, this was the the biggest highlight game on on match of the day when I watched it. Um, a few questions, though. Mm-hmm. You said there that you thought you could have come away with a draw. So, in recent seasons, going to Chelsea and losing two-one and being in the game would be seen as a good result. But would you, do you feel like you do you feel disappointed? You think you couldn't got more out of the game? Um, I always thought if we were going to get a point, it would be it would have been a nil-nil where we just frustrated them for the whole thing. So to concede twice, um, you're kind of thinking well. Kind of be that upset at losing, really, because mm-hmm. we aren't very good, as you might have noticed. But uh, 
I thought we were in the game for a long time, yeah. and uh, I look at Rondon's header towards the end as a as pretty good chance, really, away from home at one of the big clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, but beforehand, I didn't expect anything, so I kind of I'm disappointed to to not get anything out of it. I did one because Chelsea were poor. Again, and I'm not taking anything away from Newcastle. I thought Newcastle, you know, looked all right in spells. Um, one thing that was interesting as well. So, uh, a kid called Longstaff made his debut. Yep. Now I didn't see Newcastle's bench. I <laughs> remember rewinding match of the day um, to try and see, but it didn't show the substitutes. Um, I've noticed Rafa's done this before, though. He'll bring in transfer window time. Talk of wanting to bring in players, then suddenly there'll be a uh, so it was Diarmé in this occasion who, who who didn't play, but then suddenly it's a youth pro- product that no one has ever heard of thrusting against one of the big clubs. Now, well, is, is it generally the case that there's no one else to play, or is it Rafa saying like, "Look, if you don't let me buy players, this is what I'm going to be doing"? Well, it's actually both because the problem is we only have four centre midfielders. Um, Key is at the Asian Cup yeah. with South Korea. Um, Shelby's got a bad thigh. That's uh, He's been over to Spain for some specialist treatment this week, and if that's a major injury, we're in a bit of in a, in a lot of trouble, really. Um, and that leaves you with uh, Diame, who is legitimately injured. He came off against Man United on New Year's Day, uh, and Isaac Hayden, who doesn't want to be there. He's um, handing a transfer request in the summer, but Rafa said he couldn't go into a, bought someone else. And of course, we don't buy people, so he's stuck forever. Um, Longstaff actually made his debut against uh, Liverpool on Boxing Day. Oh, okay. Uh, from the bench, but uh, it kind of sums up the situation we're in that it's got to January and we've got so few players. I think we had two attacking options on the bench. One was Murphy and one was Hosselu, who doesn't count as an option. <laughs> the rest were all defenders of some sort. Okay. And, I, a, go- I, and, a, and a goalkeeper. Yeah, so I just wondered. I said because I'm, I'm sure this is something that Rafa has done before. We've we've like your Rolando Aaron's and and that like like just throwing them in in big games. And then you, you, I just wondered, like being an outsider, if if this was, this was him like trying to prove a point to Mike Ashley, especially if playing in London, because obviously Mike Ashley would have been there. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, I say I think there's, there's definitely an element of that, but I don't know if you've watched any of Rafa's recent interviews, but he's. He's a broken man, like he's. Uh, I think he's had enough. Hmm. I, I listened to a podcast in the week where they were talking about the, the Jose Mourinho situation at Man United and saying that uh, this was, it was from it was recorded before before he was fired, obviously. And um, there was somebody on there saying it looked it looked like Jose Mourinho was trying to engineer himself being fired. Hmm. I'm sure I've asked you this question before, but do you think Rafa's trying the same? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, he's only got like four. Four months left in his contract. Mm. That's, I think he pushes the envelope because he yeah. knows he's uh, he's in the right fundamentally, yeah. and the fans are going to be on his side. Uh, and I think that's what we like about him more than anything. Really, mm-hmm. is that he's actually sticking to to Ashley rather than the likes of Pardew and McLaren, who just went, "Okay, sir, yes, sir," and just did whatever he wanted. And usually, it was to our detriment. Um, but everyone knows that if Rafa goes, there's nothing good left about the situation at the club at the minute. Mm. There's there's very few players who would be this good under another manager, to yeah. be honest. And I think, I, I can't see them sacking him anyway, because if someone else comes in, especially at the moment, someone else comes in, they've got to spend money. <laughs> yeah, definitely <laughs> won't do that. Um, but yeah, no. Re- the only other talking points I, I've got from the game, yeah, David Luiz's pass for that opener. 
a no look fifty yard pass. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure if he was filming for a YouTube video or something. Um, it was just I don't know. I'm trying not to mention Jorginho and the fact he's got the most passes in the league, but no end product. Um, Morata dropped. Um, I don't know what to read into that. Not even on the bench, was he? Um, and Sarri came out in an interview and just says, yeah, I just wanted to play with the small lads. <laughs> like, what? I, mean, I think we all know Morata's going, don't we? It's, uh, as long as I can find somewhere for him to go and presumably someone to replace him, then that'll be done. It'll be one of those where it'll be done like January the 29th, even though it's, everyone knows it's going to happen at some point. Yeah, because so there's talk of, of Higuain coming in, which I don't I don't get it. I don't say that makes any sense, signing like a 31-year-old striker. You know, It's very Chelsea, that, isn't it? <coughs> that's it, you know, especially with the whole Hudson-Odoi situation as well. They've just gone out and spent, what, 60-odd million on a player who's older than Hudson-Odoi and plays in the same position as Hudson-Odoi. And arguably, I haven't seen much of Pulisic really, but from what I have seen, and what I haven't seen that much of Hudson Odoi because he never gets a chance really, he doesn't look any worse, you know. So, I, but I don't get Chelsea's recruitment policy at all. Pulisic has barely kicked a football all season because of Jadon Sancho. Mm. Um, he's just outperformed them ever since he broke out the team. Pulisic was terrible at the start of the season. Sancho keep coming off the bench and impressing. <laughs> And ever since then, Pulisic has barely been seen. Um, I, I I don't get that sign at all, apart from from the the the, the face of America type. Oh yeah, there's, a, there's a commercial value to it, isn't yeah. there? But, but yeah, I, I can't imagine Dortmund could believe the offer when they got it. Really, yeah, they're know, laughing. The last couple of transfer deals have been incredible. Oh god, yeah. That, when it, when it was agreed, they showed on Sky like a, a history of their um, of their outgoings in the last two years and the money oh. they've received for players. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. But it, um, it was between Dortmund and Klopp. That's how they managed to get so much for um, Dembele as well. Mm. Um, they, they they made a deal. Klopp Klopp talked about how he told uh, Coutinho that just said. Like to to hold off and go the next year, sort of thing. See where we get to, um, and they managed to get more money from Dembele that way um, because they weren't getting Coutinho, but they knew what they'd offered for Coutinho, so they had to offer to get Dembele as well. Like Chelsea's recruitment and and Barcelona's recruitment is embarrassing, um, and then you look at teams like Dortmund, um, who just seem to get everything right. That's madness. Um, interestingly as well, on match of the day, they showed um, the passing stats for the Premier League. Obviously, we know Jorginho is going to be top of them. Uh, I think he's just shy of 2,000 passes. But Chelsea, a lot, most of Chelsea's defence was in the top top 10, which just shows how much they, they overplay. Um, oh, yeah. But very like, apparent yesterday. None of their midfielders were in it, apart from Jorginho, obviously. But all, you'd say that Jorginho... Uh, I wonder if the Chelsea defenders are just hiding the passing sets because the amount of times they're getting it back from Jorginho, then playing it back to Jorginho. Um, but yeah, oh, there's, it, 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 it's it's really strange. It's, it's like they're the Harlem Globetrotters, <laughs> the, way that, the way they were passing the ball around at times from yesterday. Um, on to a slightly more entertaining game then. Um, Burnley uh, and Fulham so yeah the bottom of the table teams all playing each other this weekend pretty, pretty much um, this was actually quite a good game 
Um, started very well with a, an absolute crack of a goal from Andre Scherler. What a finish. What a touch. I was more impressed yeah. with his first touch. Uh, yeah. I, thought, I thought the finish was excellent. I've seen another goal in the Swindon game um, as well. It was, you know, kind of just that volley across the goalkeeper. Going is that right the, the Lincoln lad? Was it Lincoln against Swindon? Yeah, I, so, I just yeah. seen it on Sky Sports this morning. It just... Um, Oh, I just I love goals like that. You know, just as you say, Shirley just kind of stepped up and showed his bit of quality compared to the the rest of the boys in that pitch. Um, just a shame he doesn't do it more regularly. It reminded me of a goal Fernando Torres scored against uh, Blackburn. Liverpool. Blackburn, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely quality. Still no away wins for Fulham though, uh, thanks to two own goals. Um, you know, Burnley not good enough going forward themselves. Fulham thought they'd give them a hand. Um, how, do you, how, how do you win a game 2-1 have no shots on target? Yeah, that's what that's literally what I was just going to say. Burnley won a game and didn't have a single shot on target. So is this the first time ever? It has to be. No, the, apparently it's the fifth. Wow. The fifth time in Premier League history um, a, t- a team a team has won without having a shot on target. Um, right, or when they showed it on match today yesterday, or I think all the others were like one nils. So obviously, you know, there's been an own goal. Uh, but yeah, two own, two own goals to win it. And to be fair, Claudio, even Claudio Ranieri saw the funny side of it in his post-match interview. He was just like, yeah, I thought we played all right. But then, yeah, two own goals, you know. Oh, well, one of those things. Um <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, yeah, Fulham played quite well. Tom Heaton had a really good game, um, but, but you know he's back play, play, playing now. Um, strange that Burnley started winning and Joe Hart not in goal. <laughs> it's, it's really strange. <laughs> Apparently, Preston put a bid in for him this week. Shows how far he's fallen. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So Fulham, are pretty, you know, I don't think they, I don't think they're bottom yet, um, but they're, they're, they're not looking. It, like they're in a good situation. Um, it did look a decent game, though, to be fair. Um, but yeah, Burnley turned the corner, do we think? Mm. Looks like they've got the knack back of beating teams around them, which is mm. what's important, really, when you're down there. Excellent. I say, I noticed uh, like uh, Jeff Hendricks was quite lively, um, but I say they, they still didn't have any, any end products, really. I think if it hadn't been for the own goals... Yeah, as I said, no shots on target. That they probably would have lost that game. To be fair, um, on to another game that wasn't exactly fantastic either. Uh, uh, Claude Puel back under pressure at Leicester uh, after they lost two one at home to Dave Hamilton. Um The only inter- the, the only interesting thing I could think about for this game was that Valeri. Oh yes, just like I think I've got him noted down about five different times for. Uh, first diving, uh, then him and Chilwell having some kind of ongoing feud, and then him being sent off not long after. Yeah, he spent the whole first half trying to get sent off and was ultimately successful. But uh, I think he's just a bit inexperienced, wasn't he? He's been wound up by that Chilwell, as you say, after mm. the diving incident, that didn't help. And then uh, the actual second yellow card he got sent off for, I thought it was quite soft. But Yeah, it was quite a soft one, to be fair. Um, but yeah, um, nothing else really happened. Southampton won despite having ten men for the whole of the second half. Um, but they were much better than Leicester. Leicester were like I don't know what Leicester were doing. They're defending like the, the uh, Mendy for the penalty. Yeah, 
For both goals, he was abysmal. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure what he, what he was doing. Um, Jamie Vardy, done for diving later on. But oh, I didn't, the... this is ridiculous, right? So he didn't get done for it, right? And I didn't know. You know this diving panel that they have to try and stamp mm. out diving? Apparently, if a penalty or a foul isn't given for the, for the, for the dive, that diving panel can't do anything about it. Yeah, it's only if they've deceived the ref. How is so, that going to stop diving? It doesn't make any sense, does it? So if the ref's really bad <laughs> and you dive, you're off the hook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because Dar- um, Vardy's was d- disgusting yesterday. Like, it's that. one of the worst ever. It wasn't even clever. Like, you can respect a really clever dive. <laughs> <laughs> this this oh, was a, embarrassing. A Liverpool, a Liverpool fan would say that, wouldn't they? <laughs> uh, really. um, but yeah, no, he... he, he, he it's like he tried to stop himself and then dived again. Because he, he kind of went... He flicked his leg in the air, but then kind of went down in stages. But, yeah. He went fishing for contact, didn't he? But, yeah, uh... but yeah absolutely ridiculous. And say Valeri um, dived earlier on as well. Um, but, yeah, Shane Lung scored his first goal in quite a while. Um, apparently an interesting stat from Match of the Day was that Shane Lung's last four goals have all come under different managers. That, that shows um, how Southampton have been going recently. I think it shows how good Shane Long is as well, doesn't it? So. <laughs> didn't we discuss a few weeks ago that you'd like to see him at Newcastle? It didn't sound like something I would say. Uh, <laughs> although I think at the time it was just like, I think you'd like to see anybody new. In oh, I mean, if it's, him or, if it's him or Hosselu, get, get, get me Shane Long immediately. <laughs> um, but yeah, I say, is Claude Puel back under pressure, do we think? Yeah, I, I think... They can't wait to sack him. To be honest, I think I think they've been eyeing him up out the door for a while. But yeah. uh, he keeps winning against like Man City and things. When just when they weren't ready to, to fight to pull the trigger, mm. I say, he, uh, I, I he imagine, some I imagine they'll win next weekend. Well, I mean, I thought they'd win t- uh, yesterday. To be honest, mm. having lost a Newport in the cup, I thought they'd come out all all guns blazing to try and uh, put things right. But uh, they were terrible. Yeah. Really, really bad. I say Wes Morgan was back in the side, which unfortunately is never a good sign that lately. Um, but yeah, South, Southampton on the resurgence as well. Under I can't pronounce his name. Yeah, unfortunately, I think they're going to be fine now. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, oh god, another I say all these. We haven't even come onto the worst game of the weekend yet. Um, Pal- Palace Watford um, Watford coming um, to win 2-1 at Crystal Palace um, again not much to talk about interesting fact here Craig Cathcart scored at both ends goal of the season though for the own goal <laughs> well, it would, wouldn't have been out of place in League League 2 that it was uh, terrible yeah, belting the ball at each other this was a very Sunday League looking game to be fair it was um, yes. the, the, the MacArthur miss Oh god! Oh man! I, I, I'm not quite sure how he how how, how he, he didn't put that away. Uh, and then Troy Deeney missed one um, towards the end as well. Um, but obviously, you know, the star man um, Tom Cleverley uh, making his um, reappearance after quite a while out. Uh, I, I think he scored with his second touch. And his first touch was like just flicking the ball back. Yeah. I enjoyed uh, what was hitting the same post in about five seconds. At the start, yeah. Like, yeah. that was stupid. Um, Watford are in pole position for seventh now. Do you think that's where they're going to stay, or is it uh, is it just a bit of a 
I mean, no one seems to actually want to finish seventh every time someone oh, yeah, looks like they're going to do it. Bournemouth have been around there. They, they've been on a terrible run. Uh, Watford have had a terrible run and they're still in and about there. Um, Man United are out of their terrible run, so I don't think they're going to get it. Although the way we're playing, we could probably end up seventh. Hmm. Um, I, I think West Ham or Everton will I'll take it. Um, I think they're more likely to get a, a good run of games. Um, Watford always, you know, they're kind of like Leicester. They'll have a couple of good results and couple of bad results where you can see West Ham and Everton putting a couple of undefeated runs in where, where you know, probably we quite a lot of draws, but more likely to beat the, the lesser teams than, than a Watford, I'd say. Um, but the biggest talking point from that, that game is how bad Watford's strip is. <laughs> that, that, that may be one of the worst strips in the league this season. I can't remember what they wore. That really, really dark green. Oh yeah, that's not too bad. Oh, that's howling. It's 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 not as bad as Arsenal's third kit, or I believe the which is very similar because it's the same manufacturer. Is Newcastle's third kit the um, mint spearmint green? No, uh, yeah, it's not great. Like so, as yeah. as is like a green colour, but Newcastle's is like a more bluey version. Yeah, it's it's quite loud. Yeah, it, it's it's not it's not great. So, no. but yeah, but Watford isn't too. But yeah, it's, oh. it's like a dark green, isn't it? Yeah, it's, but just, it's still it's... got the same red trim. Yeah, yeah. the same trim, and then the bit going across, and you're like, oh no, it's just, it's just not right. It's just, I think it's the worst in the league this season, the worst I've seen anyway. So Hang far. on a minute, you boys playing purple? I'm, I'm content with purple. The brighter cuts, the better for an away kit. Not dark green. I was going to say, yeah, Liverpool, Liverpool have got some fucking horrible kits. I almost got kicked out of Sports Direct in Oxford Street in London um, during pre-season because I went, I went in to buy an Arsenal shirt and as I was coming down the escalator, um, there was um, it had like Liverpool's kits at the bottom of the escalators and I, I turned around to my mate and I was like, who the fucking hell would be stupid enough to wear that kit? And just as I got to the bottom of the escalator, there was like this, he looked like a kickboxer trying one on. <laughs> And he was not happy with me at all. Uh, I, I don't know what he shouted, but I left pretty sharpish. Um, but yeah, so yeah, you can't talk about away kids. So. Uh, okay, lads, on to the big game of the weekend. I think the game that we, um, if we had recorded last week, we would have been, we'd have wanted for 40 minutes about how excited we were to see this game. Cardiff City versus Huddersfield. Ooh. Do, do we, should we even bother? Because fuck all happened. It was just that pen that was given and then not, and given, then not given for, for no for no reason at all. Like yeah. it was... the the only way that could have been more entertaining is if it had been if it was Cardiff who were invo- involved because then we could have listened to Neil Warnock fucking moan about it. I mean, it was, bad, it was bad enough. It was bad enough having to hear Neil Warnock's uh, views on Brexit. That was uh, uncalled for, wasn't it? Yeah, to be fair, we could have all guessed Neil Warnock's <laughs> yes. views on Brexit. Yeah, um, so I'm not sure why he felt the need to actually have to tell us about it. Um, <laughs> but yeah. The only other thing I've got here is, yeah, this game was nil-nil in the reverse fixture as well. Surprise, surprise. Um, and Huddersfield aren't staying up this season, are they? Surely not. Have they got, like, <laughs> have they got how many points have they got? 10? 11? 11, I think. Fucking yeah. wow. Yeah, they are terrible. They are oh. terrible. And, and frankly, hopefully they'll be relegated ASAP. Shortly followed by Fulham and Cardiff. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it, it is the season where no one wants to, you know, wants to. Apart from the top two, no one really wants to win anything. Um, but yeah, at the bottom, Jesus Christ! Like, I saw, I didn't know the score going into match of the day, 
and obviously you knew going into match of the day as well that this would be the last game they showed but boy was I surprised when it was nil-nil <laughs> um, yeah fucking what a load of rubbish uh, right on to today's games then uh, started off with Everton versus Bournemouth uh, quite an entertaining game I only saw bits of it myself uh, to be fair uh, the notes I've got here it, uh, Everton need a striker yeah yes very much so like Richarlison is not a striker and does not play like a striker and is probably better out left but then where can they play that Bernardo who looks quite promising but at one point Bernardo was the man in the middle for Everton and they're whipping crosses in like he's about as big as my cat he is a very small man but Um, at least uh, our mate Luckman played instead of uh, Theo yeah, because uh, at one point I thought they were going to bring Theo Walker off the bench to play him through the middle. That's how <laughs> desperate they are. Um, but instead they brought Calvert-Lewin on, who is basically a, like a taller Theo Walker. Um, but he did come on and score, to be fair. And he, he played like a striker. You know, he, he dropped deep to win the ball and then went back into the area to score. Which uh, He is quite, he is no quite good, though, isn't he? Like he's, uh, he's always doing all right. He's not probably good enough to, to start for a top 10 club, but he's... That's the only problem you'd have if they sign someone is that the legs of him will get less game time. When, when... They, they just don't know where to play him, I don't think. Because no. they've played him out wide and stuff like that as well. But I think, um, we'll come on to this in the next game, but I think there's a reluctance nowadays to play two up front. Yeah. A lot of teams would be better off if they played two up front and stuff like that. Because like, I think um, Richarlison with a striker in front of him would be quite interesting. Um you know, and Arsenal have tried doing it, but they still don't play two up front despite having two strikers on the pitch. Um, but yeah, uh, the game got quite interesting after the first after Zuma scored his header. Uh, there was a, a like a, a ten minutes where it was just like how many Everton players can get booked in one small amount of time. Um, Do you think Andrea Gomez has got plans next weekend? Yeah, I saw your tweet about this. He was <laughs> desperately trying to get himself sent off, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, like, to be fair, I don't know why he got his booking. He, I think he was unlucky to be booked because he, he, it, it was uh, guy, gay, guy, gay who who made the tackle. Ah, but then Gomez held on to the ball, so Lerma pushed him around a bit, and that's a yellow card offence. Yeah, but Lerma didn't get anything. Somehow, he's just a ball in the china shop, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. he, just, he just walks around pummeling people. You know, he's, he's the new Francis Coquelin, uh, basically. <laughs> but yeah, he got away. But I think I think that's what did Gomez in. I think he lost his head a bit, like thinking, hang on a minute. But then, yeah, literally, every, he should he should have got three, four yellow cards <laughs> at, at one stage. Um, the one thing interesting I did find is that Everton of. I don't know, a few weeks ago, I think it was against Man City, they, they highlighted on Match of the Day that Everton were trying to play out from the back and just being caught out every time. And when I was watching like this game, I did notice that every time Pickford got the ball, um, Zuma was dropping out onto that left-back spot to take the ball off him. But Pickford was just hitting it. Um, well, there was one quite early on where Pickford tried to play a pass. You know when like, you're playing FIFA or Pairs? <laughs> and like, and you put. And you press through through ball instead of like regular pass, and he's played it slightly too far ahead of like whoever it was. It's just he's, he's been a disaster since the Merseyside derby, hasn't he? It's, it's really killed him. Yeah, but yeah, so I so say Everton did look at a, a bit more direct. Um, but yeah, Bournemouth. To be fair, I don't think Bournemouth looked too bad. But again, they played one man up front. Now, is Callum Wilson's like is he injured? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I think he's injured in like a kind of. 
He's ready to leave club. Because Chelsea are kind of... Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That's what what smells up to me. Like It just seems too much of a coincidence. Because he's been on the bench a few times and and, and come on and I'm thinking, hang on, is he injured? He's young enough not to be tired and he's had practically the last two years off. Um, It's it's the old hamstring strain, which is... Don't want to risk it. That's what it sounds like to me because he probably knows if he doesn't get his big move this season... He's gonna to have to go through this all again. Just keep scoring goals for Bournemouth, but he might. It might happen. But like opportunities to go to big clubs don't come around that often, yeah. really. You you kind of feel if he doesn't go now, um, he's not going to go yeah. because you're Chelsea, you're Man United, um, and probably even West Ham if one which goes are probably likely going to replace you know their strikers either this window or sign them on a pre-contract type ready to come in straight away in the summer oh. and Wilson will just be completely overlooked unless he was to go on and have like a remarkable sec- second half of the season sort of thing. So you feel this is his, his last chance in a way. Mm. The thing is, the, the way this Bournemouth team play, so even though they're on a terrible run at the moment, that they still look the brighter, the, the brighter more football inside. David Brooks still looks fantastic. Um, oh, I, thought, I thought they were really unlucky today, to be mm. honest. Um Everton Road they look a bit and not conceding there was a few sort of bubbles around the box that could have landed anywhere that kind of thing but mm. um, obviously they'll miss Wilson if he goes especially if they're just loaned out to four as well but uh, I'm sure they'll sure at least Moussa will stand up or mm. something I said, there's been talk of Everton actually going in for Callum Wilson and I think he'd do pretty well in their, in their system because they just need someone who stays in the middle <laughs> because they're, they're, they're not a bad football inside they pass the ball around really well but it, they're kind of like me on football manager they buy too many creative midfielders and then have to try and find a formation to play them in so Arsenal well yeah kind of but at the moment we haven't got any midfielders <laughs> so, so um, you make the same mistakes as Wenger did and that's how you learn to be a manager it's what you're telling us I can't resist a centre attacking midfielder okay um <laughs> But then I still want to play two up front. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah. So, yeah. I think if Everton do get a strike, I think they could cause a, a few teams uh, problems. But, yeah. Unless unless they, you know, will Calvert-Lewin get a game? But I think Richarlison has to play. Bernard. Is it Bernard or Bernardo? Just Bernard. Is it just Bernard? Yeah. Um, oh. he, he, he looks pretty good, but he plays out on the left. And I don't think he's big enough to come and play in the middle. Um, so, yeah. Interesting, interesting. There's still talk of um, Marco Silva being under pressure there. Um, Their owner came out in the week, didn't he, and said something like, "We've we've taken a huge gamble." I was like, "Well, you wanted him. You tried really hard to get him from Watford. Like, uh, you've got to give him a chance now." I'd have said. But yeah, um, that's the thing. Who, who are they going to bring in if they if they do get rid of him? And are they then going to go and spend another two hundred million in the in the transfer window? Because that's what they've done the last two years. Well, that's it. I don't really know what what else to do. Um, they're not they're not terrible. Like they're Everton. Mm-hmm. What do you expect them? What do you, what do you really expect from them? Yeah. They're all up. They're eighth or ninth or something, aren't they? Like they're not going to finish in the top six anytime soon. I think because they've spent a lot of money there, they're expecting to. But the best thing is, most of their money is coming from from a guy who's used to be investing Arsenal. He should be used <laughs> to spending. Well, he should be. He's probably not used to spending money. Um, but he should be used to investing in somewhere and then nothing happening. <laughs> Um, but yeah, okay. On to the the biggest game of the weekend, uh, as, as it seems to be every weekend with Sky. They forget anything else is happening. Um, Tottenham versus Man United at Wembley. 
Um, now I haven't seen much of this game, but from everything I've seen, it was the David De Gea show. Although I reckon I could have saved most of those eleven cleaves he, he did. Um, yeah, Marcus Rashford scored after a fantastic pass from Paul Bogba. Yeah, it was. Um, I was kind of expecting Spurs to win this, to be honest, and they probably should have done with all the chances they had. Mm-hmm. Um, as you say, De Gea made a lot of saves. Most of them were down to poor finishing, really. Um, the best save he made was probably the one from uh, Alderweireld, I think it was, from the corner, where he got his foot to it. But uh, if Kane's injured for Spurs, which seems to be the case, oh please, please, and, and, and Son's about to get on a flight to Asia, yeah, um, it's going to be a very interesting few weeks. Yeah, so one thing I didn't notice, I saw like the last 15 minutes, although I've been sat in front of Sky Sports News for the last hour, so obviously <laughs> I've seen the highlights about 20 times now. <laughs> They're actually on right now. Um, all of those all of those saves that De Gea made were straight at him, pretty much, bar one or two. Um, but yeah, Spurs had a goal disallowed as well, it seems. Which, oh yeah, uh, it was offside. Now, yeah, it was, it was offside sure about. Um, the only question I would really ask is, um, where was Loris for the goal? So I, uh, see, I, I, I thought this. Yeah, I, 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 actually, I've shown it right now. Let me see. So I can see Pogba. Pogba makes the pass. Rashford runs onto it, and then when, from one camera angle, you can see Loris who is running at his own goal. <laughs> so where was he? Unfortunately, Sky don't have a camera that shows. They're showing the camera going now, and he's literally got his back to the ball, running towards his own goal. So, was he still on the edge of the 18-yard box or something? Well, he must have been halfway out and thought, shit, I'm not going to get to that, I'm going to go back to my line. But there's only one place Rashford can score, really, yeah. when he shoots. And it's, to me, I mean, you keep it, should never get beat from that angle. But, as I said before, Louis seems to get smaller when he dies on some occasions. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Really, really strange. But yeah, top, top. As much as this hurts to say, Tottenham looked the better team from what I saw of the game. Uh, they did, they, they did, but they look also shagged as usual. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they played Chelsea in midweek uh, in the in the cup, and uh, I think it took a lot out of them. Yeah, I said Kane. Yeah, apparently. Now I thought he'd done his groining or something, stretching for that late chance because he had that ball from Lorente, didn't he, where he stretched for? Uh, well, but apparently, they've come out and said it's his ankle. They seem to be blaming Phil Jones for fouling him. It must have been for the very last kick of the game because he was pretty much being being seen to as the as the players were walking off. Yeah, so he, str- he, um, did, he did struggle to get off the pitch, didn't he? But uh, what a horrible shame it would be if Harry Kane was injured. Well, like we always say, he's like he's just indestructible, isn't he? He's like Daryl Strawberry. Like everyone, <laughs> everyone else has been taken out and he's just stood there smiling, ready to go. The one thing I did notice is when Spurs brought Lorente on, right... I, I, now I know we've spoken about Lorente a bit here, being like the what best paid fan in England. Um, they actually looked really good. I was going to say up front. I, I thought he was quite useful yeah. when he came on. He, he was he was a bit of a battering ram. Yeah, but... his link up play, like he held the ball up. He had a couple of chances himself. He, he held the ball up for that one effort that Kane had. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, he made the pass where just ahead of Kane at the end, um, but he, he he made a difference when he came on. Um, would Spurs consider playing him and Kane together? It you know, heaven forbid, a team plays two strikers, as we discussed earlier. The problem is they've got so many attacking midfielders. One of them after, well, one of them already loses out anyway. So, mm-hmm. um, the, I mean, personally, I'd probably give it a try if they were struggling. But uh, at this rate, they're going to be playing them anyway because uh, 
I don't know if well, it's hard to say without the diagnosis going through, but if it Kane misses one, two, three games and Son's away, what who else are you gonna play? Well that's it, because I don't think Lorenzo on his own works at all. He's not a lone frontman. You'd have to get the likes of Ali and probably Lucas Moura, who's got a bit of pace to get on the end of his flick yeah. ons right over alongside him. Yeah, Lorenti and Lucas Moura would be would be a good pairing. Um with Moura running running in behind. Um Kane's been fairly atrocious this season. Now, he, he's mo- I, I feel he hampers Spurs more than anything. He, his movement is atrocious. His link-up play has been terrible. He shoots just as soon as he gets the ball, he turns and shoots. And I, I mean, you guys hit the nail on the head. You're saying Laurenti came on and they looked better and made them tick. It's because they've got somebody who's actually willing to work for them. Yeah. Kane's really, he's really bought into this like, Golden Kane can do no wrong mm-hmm. in the media and the fans, and I, I genuinely feel he's went from this humble guy to now believing the the superstar hype, and and I think it's made him worse as the seasons have gone on. Um, I mean, he was atrocious for England um, in the World Cup. Um, not caring what anybody said, I thought he was horrendous. I mean, his goals all came from set pieces and penalties, yeah. um, and one deflected goal. Sorry, but in fact, even that was a free kick. I'm sure, was it not? Um, so it was, it was that shot that off his heel and went into the corner. That's, yeah. that's what it was. Yeah, so that was the only one from open play, type thing. And he just like I was, I was hoping, and I said from years, he's just one season wonder. Um, now it's took four seasons, but he's put, he's now getting to prove my point a wee bit because <coughs> he's. It's, he seems everything that's wrong, and what was good about Tottenham for for years, um, with Pochettino building, he's now the one that I feel who's who's the weakness. He's the weak spot in it. When you've got those, because like Ali's like ridiculous. His potential is amazing. Um, Ericsson's phenomenal. Um, I thought I think Moura has been really good since he's come in, but Kane's just he's just very, well. He's a striker, and I suppose it's all about goals. But we're seeing a different breed of strikers in the world now. It's not all about just them. And Kane's still falling into that traditional number nine in a way, whether that's a good or a bad thing in the long run. But even, like, he, he tries to throw himself... Uh, the ball could be going in and he would quite happily steal it off his teammate. Hmm. Um, and he's done it this season where the, it's been given his offside just because he's trying to get the goal. Uh, they just need something different. They just need to mix it up a bit, and with Kane being that indestructible, he never gets rested. You ne- you never see a change, and that's why we've always said Laurent is the, you know, the best played, you know, spectator. But the the Spurs definitely need to do something coming up. Mm. It's such a thing. It's hard to. I agree what you're saying. I think it's a very similar situation to Messi at, at Barcelona. Like Kane, very much <laughs> is I have to play, I want to play, and whatever. Hence, we came on in the FA Cup when they were six nil up. Yeah, uh, for fuck's sake! And, and Pochettino was like, "Oh yeah, it's because I'll never get to play with Harry Kane again." Like, oh come on, mate! You know, give, give him a. Re- I, 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 I do think Harry Kane's a very, very good player. Um, and I think if he went to went to a bigger team, I think he, I think he'd still do do very well. Um, but I do get everything you're saying. Like, yeah, it is all about him at Spurs. But I don't know if that's necessarily down to him. Is it? Because it is all about him, if you know what I mean. Like, 
Spurs haven't invested in, in anybody else. Uh, so do you think, is it just a case if he takes that on? He's just like, well, it is about me. I'm, I'm the, the man here. I'm the, I am the striker. Because up until, you said there's a new breed of striker now, but if you go back a couple of years, or even when, as you say earlier on, like in the 90s, uh, when we all developed our, our affection for the game and whatever, it was all about the number nine. Like, Dave should relate to this, because you've got your... Um, you know, Alan Shearer, it was all oh, yeah. about your big number nine. And again, at Liverpool, you've had like your failures and that lot. Now, the game isn't like that anymore. I can't, like Arsenal, I can't remember the last time Arsenal had a number nine. Well, Alan Smith, you're probably going back as far as and stuff like that. So we've been at the forefront of this change in football. But some, some clubs, it, it, there are still some clubs that still play like that. And I think Tottenham, even though they've got, they're very continental everywhere else on the pitch, like their midfield and ever, they still have that, they still want to have that traditional striker up front. Um, which is strange because when they were, when, um, when they were doing quite well, like they had like their Klinsmans and stuff like that. But since Harry Kane's gone, come in, I think he's, whether he's made himself that focal point or not, it's hard to tell, but. I, I think he has though, because when, when, when Harry Kane was at, you know, his peak, he wasn't playing like that number nine. Mm. He was very good at dropping deep, linking the play up. You know, Dele and Ericsson and and even Son were coming through for the last year. You know, they were all like real threats and Spurs were a concern. I, I don't concern myself like when Spurs are attacking me as much now because like if you, it's now if you stop Kane, that's it. You know, because the Spurs attack stops with Kane. So that's changed and that's the way Kane's developed into that type of player. So that's not been from like that would make sense if he started off like that, you know, because that's just like I'd imagine being a being a young Englishman, Alan Shearer was probably his his icon, his idol, you know, growing up when you're a striker. I mean, who wouldn't be? But he didn't play that. He played like the Robbie Fowler mm-hmm. type number nine. You know, he he was all over the front line. He he was linking play up. He would drop deep, and then he would sit and cover for the attacking midfielders. But now he's now gone on to be that just focal point. So as you say, maybe maybe he's been told to do this or he's but why I don't understand why they would tell him to do that when it's making the team a lot worse than it was, say two seasons ago. Well with both England and Tottenham now, what you say with, with Kane is that he, he comes a bit deeper, he holds the ball up and he brings in Sterling and Rashford when it's England and it's what's primarily Son it was Moore at the start of the season but since Son came back uh, from the games at the start of the year he's taken that, that on and almost played like a front two where Kane holds it up and Son runs runs beyond him um, he's still got 20 plus goals this season already and that's, it's January that, yeah that's the thing you'd take him at any, cl- any club nope oh yeah really oh. I wouldn't take him at our team no to be fair yeah, I, I I I do struggle to see where he'd fit in at Liverpool, but I think it's that it's I that stylistic thing. I, I think you know, if any manager was offered him, they'd take him. Uh, I think the vast majority would. I mean, mm. all right, he probably wouldn't fit Klopp's system because you've got Firmino who works his nuts off, and you've got Mo Salah who scores a goal a game. Mm. So there's probably no place for him in that team. But um, I imagine most others would probably. Probably take him. Yeah, so I think Salah's outscored them in the last season and a bit. Um, obviously, that was a freak season from Salah um, last season, but I think I had seen that earlier on today. Premier League goals Salah has either overtook or he's just behind 
Kane um, in the last year. And I think that's, again, I just, I think it goes back to my point. Kane two seasons ago was, was arguably the best striker in the league. Like, not even, in fact, not even arguably he was, you know, uh-huh. just, he, he was so hard to deal with. And I, I just feel he's got that more selfish, that number nine way. That's, that really, I feel it's hampering his style of play as well. Like what he was really good at, and and on a couple of Liverpool Tottenham podcasts I'd listened to, they they summed up quite well as well. That if you'd got Harry Kane was very Teddy Sheringham like before, you know he was really good at that dropping deep and link up playing, but now he just loves a turn and twenty yard shot, and I mean that's why he gets his twenty goals a season. Mm. You know he's. He, I would, I would like to see the numbers, but I would say he has more shots than any other striker in the league. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can say that because yeah, he does, he does shoot a lot. But well, yeah. so, I mean, to be honest, Salah's no different at Liverpool. Since he started to score all these goals last season, he must have ten shots a game now. If you look at, um, I don't know if you if you play fancy football with any great sort of interest, but Mo Salah very rarely gets any bonus points because it's all done on shots on goal. Becoming a goal, yeah, and, and Salah has about ten a game and scores one, two. Yeah, Salah's productivity, but then he's a winger. Well, he's not. Uh, there, is he? well, he's wide, playing, wide forward. He, he's been playing as a centre forward most of this season. Mm. Yeah, we, we don't really play with a striker at all anymore. That's why we're scoring one goal a game. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah, like you're making. But again, we want all Liverpool fans are saying this season. I mean, the, the, we want the Salah from last season, which was going to be very hard to replicate. To that. Like it was like Obama Young at the start of the season had something like twenty shots and twenty goals. It felt like <laughs> he just doesn't and miss, just, does he? Yeah, and it was just really hard to replicate that over and over. And obviously, it's hard to expect Kane to to replicate numbers, but the style of play should always be there. Um, and I mean, we we can all surely agree that Spurs don't look the same fluidity wise and well, they, just as a team this well, season. They, they play a totally different system though because they, they went from for years they played four two three one with Ericsson on the left Ali in the middle and um, whoever's left on the right Son usually uh, with Kane as the focal point but now this year they've messed around with sort of two up front like I said and um, almost like a diamond I think they played today they don't really play traditional wingers anymore so mm. it, it's more the way they've changed the style I don't know why they've done that particularly um, but I think it's for Kane. It's, it's become a thing now where it's all through him. I think he started believe, as you say, this this whole you've got to be hungry for goals kind of thing. Which yes, you have got to be as a striker, but uh, he, I do agree that he shoots at every possible opportunity, regardless of what's around him. Yeah. It, it, shooting reminds me of the way Frank Lampard was. You know, it was just a lot <laughs> of pop shots, and that's that's why Lampard got the numbers that he did. Um, and I felt he got better with age. Lampard, you know, he kind of matured. And, and picked his shots a bit better. Um, I mean, Kane is young. He could develop back into that that forward. And As you say, with the numbers, it's very hard to critique and criticise him, but I just feel he gets away with a, a lot because he is the, the England golden boy, and he could be so much better than he is. Oh, yeah, definitely. But I say, one th- I, say I think that... De- I- I think Deli Alley is the weakest link in that in that in that Tottenham team. I think sometimes you find that Kane is in his position on the edge of the box because Deli Alley runs ahead of him a lot. Because I think Deli Alley wants to be the fucking superstar because he's got that about him. He's got that I am the big man here. 
Um, but unfortunately, he will never be when Kane's there. So, yeah, it, I understand where you're coming from and whatever, but yeah, with, with his stats, it, it's really hard, unfortunately, yeah. to cra- criticise Harry Kane. You know, because for, for years, fans of lots of clubs have have said about one striker or another, I'd like to see them have that, that more ruthless streak and stuff like that. Like someone like Sterling, like Sterling's one of the most wasteful players when he's one-on-one with a goalkeeper um, the, the, that I've seen in a long time. And I, I'm pretty sure Liverpool fans were saying when he was there, they'd love to see him have that ruthless streak or whatever. Or Theo Walcott, like when Theo Walcott was asking the amount of times he'd run through on goal, but because he wasn't ruthless... He got he got caught up in his own head. He didn't know what to do and always chose the wrong decision. Yeah, that's that's a completely different side of ruthlessness, though. Mm. That's not that's not twenty yard pop shots. And, well, yeah, yeah. I I don't want to see. I never wanted to see Sterling hit those shots. And and even Firmino's the frustrating one now. And Manny, you know, I don't want to see them. I still we still see it far too often. Um, the the Everton game was prime example of that mm. um, for for us. You know, we were hitting. 20, 30 yard shots and centre halves were doing it as well. I think there was a start every every player in the Liverpool team had a shot and goal um, just because they kept trying that. So you, you don't want to see that. And th- that's the part of the game, obviously, you, you could, it's very hard to critique Kane on because mm. he, he's ruthless in one on ones. He's, he's finishing, as you said, he's got nearly 20 goals this season, Dave. So like, you, you can't critique that. It's just, uh, I mean, you don't, really, you don't want your striker hitting shots from 20, 25 yards. That's not really where a striker should be shooting from. That's your, your going back. That's your Lampards, your Gerrards, your Shelby's at Newcastle. You know, th- those are the players who who hit those type of shots. Mm. Um, I, I think what I think what what will will be interesting to see is I don't think apart from the old August thing, I don't think there's Harry Kane has had a drought. If you know what I mean, I don't think he's had a period where he's where some strikers go through them where he's really struggled. Yeah. Uh, he's always involved in one way or another. So, as we've said already, the way Tottenham play, if he's not scoring, he is involved in some way. Um, I think that's when we'll get to see what Harry Kane's made of. Or, more, which could, which could happen when or if he leaves Tottenham. That's when we'll see what sort of player Harry Kane is. Man United in the summer of Portugal goes there. Yeah, maybe. You know, could swap him for Lukaku. Poor <laughs> Spurs. That is a horrendous deal. <laughs> no, Le- Levy would take it. I, I just, quickly before we wrap up, I think Levy would take that. Because I saw a thing, I don't know if you guys have seen it, I don't even know where it comes from. There's some chart apparently that maps the values, the market values of players. And Romelu Lukaku is like the fourth most expensive player in the world at the moment. I'm not sure if it's done like... Um, like if you pay for like the weight, like gold or something like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm sorry, I, sh- I, 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 I shouldn't make fat jokes. They're not big or clever. And I am in no position to do anything. I am not body shaming Romelu Lukaku in any way. Uh, I, I would love to have a physique like his. But yeah, I couldn't believe it. He was, he was like the fourth most expensive player in the world. And I'm thinking, fucking who wrote this? His mom. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely... I mean, I, I don't know how many clubs in the Premier League who would take this Lukaku. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Lukaku, I think I've said on here a few times, Lukaku two seasons ago, fucking everybody. But yeah, not now. Uh, although Everton could have him back. Uh, right, that's it. I think we should, uh, we've we've spoke for far longer than I expected us to speak about, but very little about 
anything that actually happened this weekend because nothing did. Um, thank you for joining me, gentlemen. It's an absolute pleasure to speak to you as always. Yes, um, you too, mate. Uh, Dave, I'll let you go first. Pimp your socials, please, sir. Uh, so on Twitter, it's uh, at cm9798, and that's cm9798. Uk. Excellent. Ali, same for you, sir. Uh, Ali Thompson, 84, I believe. Um, it, it's it's all Liverpool related just now, so really, unless you want to listen to Liverpool stuff, I'd probably just avoid it till me till I get depressed again. Or just tweet him your opinions on Harry Kane. Um, uh, you can find us at Man on the Post uh, pretty much everywhere. Um, anything else you'd like to add before we leave, gentlemen? Uh, no, we've got Cardiff next weekend, so if I'm not here, it's uh, we've lost. Oh, 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 no. No. No, Dave. Wow. Are you home or what? You've got to be at home, yeah? We are at home, yeah. Oh, how far from the dugouts do you sit? Oh, I can... Uh, I'm like at one end, so I'm oh, half, half, I, I, half, I, I, half I a pitch away. I was going to say, like, I'll buy you a season ticket if you put a pie on Neil Warnock's head. Oh. If you can smash Neil Warnock in the face of a pie... I'll buy your next season ticket. Oh, that'd be, that'd be fucking... You'd be a hero, mate. I, w- I would be. <laughs> I'll be banned for life, but a hero nevertheless. No, I'm you... not sure. I oh, think yeah, you're I'm probably not sure if you'd be banned for life, to be fair. Turn a blind eye to it. <laughs> you, uh, uh, you might get a free season ticket in an executive <laughs> box. Yeah. yeah, you know, all, all the tracksuits and sports directs you can carry, sir. <laughs> Also, actually, no. Before we go, I've got, I've got, we've got to talk about it. Come on, Dave. What do you make of Rio Ferdinand? Come on. I think he's an, he's an uh, uneducated asshole, but uh, I, I just can't understand how a pundit can go on telly and just tell barefaced lies and expect not to be challenged about them. And then when he is, just go, I'm not bothered. Yeah, and he hasn't stopped either. He's been tweeting about it all, week, uh, all day. Apparently, he's just he's just an idiot. But the one thing it has done is highlight what an idiot he is. And I don't know how much you've read into this, but like, there's a series of terrible pundits and things who are on basically on the Mike Ashley payroll so they all go through this this Keith Bishop who's uh, Mike Ashley's PR, PR man okay. and uh, obviously Rio sells his clothes through Sports Direct mm-hmm. which doesn't help but he's also a client of, of, uh, of Keith Bishop agency whatever it's called as are Richard Keyes and all these other idiots I was going to say because then Richard Keyes of all people gets involved yeah Richard Keyes who said Rafa Benitez should stump up the transfer fees himself <laughs> out of his own money because it's a team game I mean, that's just the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I can imagine I'm now at the Newcastle training ground. Come on, let's have a whip round. We could get Harry Kane in. I know. Like, how much does he think Rafa Benitez has in his back pocket? Oh, it's, yeah. Oh, it's the it's it's the most insane thing, and that's how it, that's how I know that they can't be. They're not real. They're just on the payroll. Like, it's just insane. But yeah. So, I hope he is going to sell, even if it is to Peter Kenyon. Like, just sell. <laughs> Oh yeah, but yeah, I, I say I'm, I'm the only other thing I say I've got to add is I'm kind of disappointed that we don't get to talk about Man City Wolves because I have a feeling that could be a cracking game tomorrow night. Um, well, Wolves have done really well against all the big clubs away yeah. from home as well. They've at taken home, points so. off City already this season. I'm, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure they have. Uh, they did. Yeah, they do one all. Yeah. yeah, but obviously, um, the Sky's way of advertising it is just oh yeah, Yaya Torre will be watching the game oh, with us. What, what is that all about? It's potentially <laughs> the two best attacking teams in the league are playing. Oh yeah, but Yaya Torre will be here to watch it. Well, sorry, lad, you had Jack Wilshere for the Arsenal game, and he, you might as well just put a fucking potato on the seat because he, uh, he, uh, he had no interest in being there. I really hope they've got like 
Steve Bullen from a Wolves perspective as well, but just, just, but just, but just not, not just not mentioned it at all. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it was all noise. Oh, yeah. Did you see Jack Wilshere before the Arsenal game yesterday? Though? Uh, no, I, I didn't. didn't know. Yeah, so they, they, but really quickly, so we had, they had Jack Wilshere in, in the studio for the Arsenal game, right? And he didn't he didn't look interested. He looked like he just got out of bed. Uh, he obviously wanted to be playing. Uh, and then basically, one of the first questions I asked him was, "Oh, so how good are all the players who are playing in your position at the moment?" <laughs> basically, they just sat there ranting about the midfield, and you can tell he was just like, "You taking a piss." <laughs> Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Right, that is all from us. Um, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Thank you to Ali and Dave. I've forgotten how to finish the show. Uh, I'm just trying to remember. Uh, thank you to Ali for, Dave for joining me. And always remember to keep your man on the post. Yeah.